Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at NomCastPod, and most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds who met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast. Every week, we journey to a galaxy far, far away and discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. This week, we're taking a look at Star Wars fandom in this special bonus episode discussing the 2009 film, Fanboys. Colleen, Anders, you two got your cosplay ready? Uh, Do my danger snack Mickey Mouse ears count? (laughs) I don't know about that, but as for me, absolutely not. Never have, most likely won't. I will at some point. (laughs) Maybe once. I'll actually get to that in a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I do have a few just general details about this movie. So Fanboys was written by Ernest Klein and Adam F. Goldberg, and it was directed by Kyle Newman. It stars Sam Huntington, Kristen Bell, Jay Baruchel, Dan Fogler, and Chris Marquette as a group of friends who travel across the U.S. to break into the Skywalker Ranch and see the Phantom Menace before it's released. And one of them, Marquette's character, dies of terminal cancer. Several hijinks and crimes ensue. Ultimately, Marquette's character is successful and sees the movie before he dies, and their remaining friends attend the opening night for the new Star Wars film. So guys, generally, what'd you guys think of this film? Okay, so I had never seen this before. I thought this captures 1999 so perfectly. Uh, like they, it was it was very funny. I enjoyed this. Uh, the music. Oh my god. The, the music. music. <laughs> I mean, they. It, it, it's very much a product of its time of the early 2000s, because uh, even though this was released in 2009, uh, they started filming this back in like 2006, 2007. And then they just had a bunch of delays, um, you know, that backed everything up. Now, what I find to be the best part of this movie is the emotional through line of, um, of Chris Marquette's character. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Poor guy. Um, he passed away. And Linus, thank you. Passes away in the movie and I can't even remember his name. I mean, I, I thought that the emotional through line of that was very well done and a, a lot of good humor and just a lot of love for Star Wars. You could tell in this movie. It was it was fun. I really liked it. Ooh, woof. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, I, I will get into my size like that later. Later. I saw this back when it came out, but I didn't remember much of it upon my rewatches. Like, oh, that happened. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it to be really funny at certain parts, but the tone feels kind of all over the place. I liked it better when they went for the friendship stuff. Like that hit harder than the kind of ridiculous comedy that they were trying to do. I think I blocked out most of the misogynistic stuff 
honestly, mm-hmm. because I did not remember a lot of those parts. Like the Flash, if you love Wookiees, like for real, are we 12? I guess we're mm-hmm. 12. Um, that aside, like the lead actors are super engaging. You believe in their friendship. They're really enjoyable. I love Sam Huntington <laughs> from Being Human. <laughs> And seeing, like, he's a super hot werewolf on that show. And seeing him here so young was really weird. Like, he's a baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a baby face. He's kind of like the Paul Rudd in this movie. He just doesn't age. I love the cameos for the most part. Although Seth Rogen's two characters, you could cut them out of the movie and I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. And then seeing Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith is always fun, but their part was super cringy. Uh, Also, can we not with, like, the pedophile subplot? Like, Mm -hmm. let's not do that yeah that was a weird part i i saw this movie a few years after it came out originally and i remember just enjoying it and this time when i watched again i enjoyed myself i was laughing a lot i loved like you both said that emotional through line of the friendship of reconnecting with your friends through a love of fandom i mean hell that's why the three of us are here (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there were several parts of it i 100 percent understand putting kevin smith in a star wars fan movie that just yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. But yeah, that scene was just kind of weird. I will disagree with you, Colleen. You can absolutely make one of Seth Rogen's characters not a pimp, but those two characters I thought were hysterical. Uh, I mean, the, so the Trek guy was funnier, but the the like once again the misogyny, the pimp, like really, yeah, do you need right. This? You could have that. You could have that exact character just without him being a pimp. Yeah, like a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like he's their boyfriend or something. Like they're they're a thruple, and he's the boyfriend, and he's like, excuse me now. <laughs> It's not about to become a quintet. (laughs) All right. So let's kind of uh, take a look now at some of our particularly standout funny moments. The things that we did think were super, super funny in this movie. Daniel, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So I think right off the bat, the opening crawl, very funny. I love the little jokes they put in there. And as soon as the crawl's done, you get people arguing about perpetuating the myth of Boba's badassness. What a fantastic way to start, I, I know that I've had that exact argument with friends before in the past uh, until, you know, we talked Mandalorian about it, like, season two, oh, just a little bit on our, mm-hmm. on our Empire pod. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, uh, it, it's nice seeing those conversations play out exactly like I would have just wait until Mandalorian season two, boys, you know, minus Linus RIP. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. The the screaming match about whether or not Luke and Leia were into the kiss. <laughs> yes. That is fantastic. So Luke real. Was so into it. The the fact that uh, Eric has the bad trip, the of course he does. Of course the uptight friend is the one who has yes. the bad trip. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Carrie Fisher's cameo so with the I know when when Linus <laughs> says that he loves her, just no, oh, it was it was great. There's there's some bits that didn't age as well. Um, I I think that's something that anytime we view comedies that were set or films several years before the the viewing date, you're always going to run into that stuff. There were some homophobic and some transphobic jokes that stood out to me. And like you said, the pedophile joke, the fact that Jay Barachel's character is cybering with a 10 year old. That's not great. (laughs) Not great. Um, Liberal uses of the word, uh, well, the F word, I'm not going to use that even though. um, Yeah. Um, and then the, the fact when, when Jay Barrow's character is talking about his online girlfriend and they're talking about whether she has a dick. Um, it, yeah, some of the stuff, not great, but at the same time, you're going to find that in every comedy movie that you go to throughout the years. Um, I, I think you're going to have more or less levels of forgiveness based on when you've seen it. 
So I, uh, I've grown up with some movies from the seventies, like uh, blazing saddles and, oh, yeah. and young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you go back and see some of those jokes and you're like, Oh God, like I never thought about it like that. But you know, if you watch at a young age, you're not going to catch all that stuff. It's your so, classic. <laughs> yeah. It's your classic. Exactly. So you're a little bit more forgiving things like that. Um, mm-hmm. um, so while I did enjoy the movie, I laughed at a good amount. There were, several things that you know just pulled me out of it and especially i i do have to circle back to the um jay and silent bob cameo the forced prostitution is um that was yeah that's that's bad yeah that was yeah yeah that was bad of all the like absolute randomness that happens in this movie that was the one that was just that i was the most just like why who wrote this (laughs) yeah that one made me like physically cringe um so it's it's a good metaphor, though, I guess you could say, for how it's like to be a gay fan in um, nerd culture sometimes, where you're like, oh, I really enjoy this. And then all of a sudden something or someone says something that makes you go, oh, right, I'm not always welcome here. Um, but, you know, the ad- attitudes have changed a lot since 2009. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's something you just got to take with the time. It's, it's very indicative of the time it came from. Definitely. For sure. It's disappointing, but you can totally understand where it comes from. Like, yes, I understand why they did this. And set in 1999, when like online dating and stuff was a little newer, they would be making fun of their friend for making a friend online. Mm-hmm. For real. It feels very realistic of the time period, but mm-hmm. it's still not fun to see always. No, not at all. Just not. Yeah. So like half of the movie would almost be gone, I think. Right. Like you said, like these movies like this, especially like the raunchy dude comedy, it evolves yes. over time. Like you can go back and watch like Porky's or Animal House or Revenge of the Nerds and just be like, this is awful. Oh, like, yeah. Like pretty much the entire movie oh, is yeah. awful. Like you can't, it legitimately can't watch it anymore. This movie feels like it wants to be a Judd Apatow movie at times with like they're, they're trying to pull the heartstrings but I didn't have enough of that. Like I wanted more of the heartfelt stuff and less of the dude bro. We can't let women into our van nonsense. I thought the funniest parts were the Star Wars arguments. <laughs> Hysterical. Exactly. And when they were in in George Lucas's house threatening to break stuff, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that scene, that scene is fantastic. I'm gonna light Yoda on fire. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> And to what? Who was it? Is it? Is it Will Arnett? Was that Will Forte? Will Forte Forte, was the one guy who was just like, "No, you're not." He's like, "I can see you." Was total Indiana Jones callback? Like, (laughs) sure, sure, yeah, sure, you will. Uh Oh, and the Willow shout out. Nobody cares about Willow. Nobody cares about Willow. Willow. I like Willow. Those parts are funny. Like the actual fandom stuff was hysterical. Mm -hmm. I could totally get behind all of that. It definitely was. And yeah, circling back to the uh, a lot of the casual homophobia and transphobia that was in this movie definitely stood out to me more this time. Like, I don't want to say I blocked it out. I probably just rolled with it when I uh, when I saw it the first time. And I'll definitely, you know, won't hide. I was almost definitely laughing at it the first time I saw it. But people and things change over time. You know, you realize exactly. things like that probably shouldn't. I actually found myself thinking... And a couple of those scenes this time, if they were to try and make this movie today, how would that be different? Mm -hmm. And the one that stood out to me was either one of the bits where they are, you know, making fun of him for having an online girlfriend and saying, oh, she has a dick. 
or when they're in the Vegas hotel room and Kristen Bell just like looks up and is like, this is so gay. And that's a joke that just would not happen today. But if you were to put that in, the bit, if you made this movie in 2020, 2021, would be that they would say that. And then like everyone else in the room would be like, whoa, like calling the person out and we'd be laughing at them. And they'd say, ugh, this is so straight. (laughs) So I took notes during that scene because I said, excuse me, Kristen Bell, four men in a hotel room sitting there doing nothing. They were watching Stargate. That's not gay. Yeah. I'm sorry, not to get too crass, but things could be way different if you're saying it's four four gay men in a hotel room. Come on, Kristen Bell, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm, Not even a little bit. And then the one other bit that just always sticks out in my mind is because I actually had a friend who did this, I think as a result of this movie. I can't remember if he did this before or after, but I had a friend who, when you wanted to call Shotgun in his car, you called Chewie. That made me laugh so hard. That's so brilliant. Um, I did just want to shout out two um, quick little like throwaway lines that had me laugh so hard <laughs> when they all get together again at the very beginning at the party. And oh my gosh, I'm forgetting everyone's names now. I think Hutch is the one who goes, oh man, it's been parsec since I've seen you. And I just started laughing so hard. Yes. I was like, that's, that's distant. <laughs> yes. He's the and one then... that makes like a Steinbeck comment too. I was like, what? Right? <laughs> like, oh, you know about of Mice and Men? Okay. <laughs> And then when he's yelling with his mom and he's like, I have renters rights. And she you just don't pay rent. You don't pay rent. <laughs> just the little cutaway jokes like that made me you don't laugh pay rent at the so carriage hard. house. The carriage house. Yes. <laughs> Another one that especially for millennials probably uh, hits hits home a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We're all like, hmm. Like, I would gladly live rent-free in the carriage house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call real. it whatever you want. For real. Oh, my God. But, uh, one thing it. that this movie definitely is chock full of is Easter eggs and references to properties that came before it. Obviously, Star Wars stuff, but also a few other things. Mm-hmm. Daniel, uh, you want to take us through a couple of those? Yeah, so like I said earlier, the opening crawl uh, just made me laugh so hard. The fact that they started it with an opening crawl is fantastic, and that it was self-referential. Um, absolutely love that. The, what in Greedo's name? Just <laughs> a fantastic way to be like, what? what? Like, And then <laughs> during during the drug scene, when uh, oh. I, I think it's Jay laughs in Salacious B. Crumb's little, ah, <laughs> laugh. Perfect. <laughs> I saw it's that. It's perfect. I saw that the and I immediately you. thought of you. Danny yes. Trejo, man. <laughs> Thank you. Freaking Danny Trejo Danny just Trejo. owning it. I movie. love Danny Trejo. He was smiling oh. so much. I was kind of like, who is this? <laughs> Put Danny Trejo in anything. It'll work out. Yes, it's true. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, another one that was actually a double Easter egg when they go to get coffee in the aforementioned, unfortunately, pedophile scene. Yeah. Uh, they do go to Jaffa the Hut is the name of the coffee shop. So that's obviously a reference to Jabba, the giant slug that enslaved Carrie Fisher and paid the price. Um, but it's also where Kristen Bell worked in the show Veronica Mars. That was the name huh. of the coffee shop she had a, she had a part-time job in. I never knew that. Um, I loved it when I saw that Jabba the Hut, though. I was like, this is what a, what a perfect pun. <laughs> it's the name of their like coffee corner, too at Lucasfilm. Yeah. <laughs> Their coffee area is called Java. That's so good. Smart. 
then we get to see Billy D. Williams as the judge. Mm. Slay, slay on Billy D. Just being <laughs> slick, being as cool as that he voice. Uh, and then one that's may or may not have been an intentional one. I saw it as one. I don't know. At one point, Sam Huntington is contemplating life and is outside the van staring off into the sunset. And it looked like a complete recreation of Paul Dano and Little Miss Sunshine. Mm. So much so that I actually forgot that it was Paul Dano in that movie and not Sam Huntington <laughs> in my I head. I <laughs> got so confused reading the outline when we first were doing this because I was like, wait, Paul Dano was in this movie? <laughs> Yeah, it was such a recreation that I completely crossed the two in my mind. It, it did look like that a lot, for oh, sure. And then, the, and then the other friend comes out, sits next to him, and does kind of just like the hand on the shoulder. Everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be okay. Um, this one is my favorite, Carrie Fisher as the doctor. I love yeah. her. She's just yeah. good in everything. Any cameo she has, I'm all in. Give us more Carrie. The fact that he... Marquette got to kiss her. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and Probably she made him. that guy's day. Oh yeah, for sure. He mm-hmm. was like, I get to kiss Carrie Fisher. I get to kiss Carrie Fisher. I get to kiss Carrie Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what age she is. She still looks fantastic. And then this one was one of my personal favorites. Ray Park showing up. We didn't, a couple of us didn't think Maul at first because he's not in makeup. We thought Toad from X. Yes. That was sadly my first thought, just because no makeup. accent, yeah, no makeup. It's his real accent. So (laughs) I saw Toad first also. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Maul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then him twirling the baton. So I was like, oh, hey, what's up, guy? (laughs) It's a couple of nice little foot moves in there, too. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I just have a few others I wanted to to throw out Mm -hmm. there. When, when they go to visit Linus and he's just got the Palpatine Pez, I was like, oh my gosh, Pez, what a <laughs> yes. throwback. And then wh- where is the other one? Oh, when they start the car and it's got the Falcon noise. The fact that the oh, band yeah. starts with the Falcon noise is and just... And R2 on the t- <laughs> Yes. It Which, can even, does it you. make the noise when they quote unquote go to hyperdrive? Does it yes. make like the R2 squeal? Yeah. And the R2 mm-hmm. screams. Yeah, that part. <laughs> so thank you, George thank Lucas, you. for watching an early cut of this movie, liking it, and then allowing them to use official Star Wars audio. Like, thank you, George, for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It would have been so different if they didn't have those right? things. So I think the next oh, thing man. we wanted to talk about, kind of moving away from just the specific details of the movie, but what does this movie do to comment on the entire concept of fandom? Because obviously that's the central tenet of this movie. So this was an interesting experience for me because I, you know, was six years old when when this movie, or not not when this movie, excuse me, when (laughs) Phantom Menace, the focus of this movie, uh, came out. Yeah, the youths. I didn't know you were uh, that much of a youth. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I was six years old in 1999. So I was not able to experience that kind of hype just because I was just watching the original trilogy then. So this was fun to watch thinking about my perspective of going to see episode seven because that was kind of the one that I was, you know, uh, around their age for. So that was... That was fun to watch because I remember how hyped my brother and I were, my roommate and I were, you know, just sending uh, these screenshots back and forth. And have you seen the trailer yet? We got to watch it together and mm-hmm. watching all these breakdown videos. And I, it's it's interesting how different it is to be a nerd in 
in this time period in yes. this time period excuse me because it's way more acceptable you know people were kind of making fun of them and you know they're off at the comic shop and it's kind of implied that they're a little more on the outcast side but i mean now with the mcu and, and star wars being so mainstream nerd culture is the main thing yeah it's so the driving I, force I, of hollywood right now yeah mm-hmm. so i didn't really oh and i i love that i didn't really have <laughs> the kind of outsider perspective of things um i just recognized myself in the joy of the fandom and how much they loved it but i i didn't as much understand the outsider perspective because i've never really had to worry about that throughout my my fandom of stuff mm-hmm. the waiting outside <laughs> at the theater <laughs> is probably a foreign concept to a lot of the younger people when you can order your tickets online now that was a thing you had to wait in line sometimes overnight in their tent in order to get tickets to go see a movie so that was kind of wild to see and be like oh crap we don't do that anymore um (laughs) the countdown is hysterical i love it i have so many star wars countdowns going right now you guys i have book (laughs) releases tv show releases which we just learned the bad batch is going to mm-hmm. have its release date on may the 4th be with yes. you this year yes. and then of course the new movies that are going to be coming out i've got like spreadsheets of <laughs> times <laughs> and dates i need to watch for there's a couple books that are going to be coming out very soon that i'm excited about oh i need the new thrawn book like yesterday i don't want to <laughs> wait for april <laughs> i need it right now that will be great and oh my god the bad batch i'm so excited <laughs> right yes, oh, I'm my gosh. excited about that yeah <laughs> Um, what about you guys, this kind of concept? Because, again, one of the tenets of this movie is this friendship and how it has actually evolved and changed. Sam Huntington's character has kind of, quote unquote, grown out of it at the start of the story and kind Lies. of gets himself back into it. <laughs> lies. Lies. Deception. <laughs> lies. He sits on a throne of lies. <laughs> but this concept of trying to put that stuff in your past and this whole debate over nostalgia and how much is healthy and whatever it is. I mean, did you guys experience anything like that? Daniel, you said you kind of grew into your fandom a little bit. Yeah. I never really grew away from any of my fandoms. I just kind of got more into them. Um, I, I really loved star Wars as a kid and like I would watch the movies all the time and I had my Legos that I played with and I, I still miss those. I wish I had those back. But I mean, I think I was more of like a, a Harry Potter nerd as a kid because um, mm-hmm. I read those books. I read the first one in second grade and then the final movie came out the summer that I graduated high school. So it was my childhood. Like I grew up with those. Mm-hmm. Um, so Star Wars, I grew into more and more as um, I think like 2015, 2014, the lead up to um the force awakens i really grew into more and more of a star wars fan but i've never really strayed away from any of these and um most of my friends have gotten nerdier as the years go on um so it's it's been nice like i haven't had to worry about any of my friends being like oh you still you still like that like i've got a a book club going on with one of my friends where we're rereading lord of the rings my roommate is a bigger star wars nerd than me he's got all these lightsabers out in our living room uh, that we ha- keep on display <laughs> like it's it's nice having the not only my friends but my family care about it too like my my whole family were into harry potter my mom's the one who got, got me into star wars and so she was so excited when new movies were coming um it it's been nice i've i've never really had to stray away from it i've only just uh gone deeper into the into the waters 
That's so awesome. My mom could give two shits about <laughs> Star Wars or most fantasy sci-fi stuff. That's just not her jam. Uh, most of my friends, though, who were really into Star Wars when we were younger are still loving it. We go to the movies and stuff and we comment on the TV shows. It's actually me who was the one who kind of jumped onto the big fan train. Like I'd always liked it. I like Star Wars. I've seen it since I was seven or eight. But like 2019 came and I was like, ooh, what's this Rebels show? <laughs> and then I was I was like in in like Flynn. I was in completely. I love Rebels. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that at some point, I'm sure. Um, Cannot wait. And yeah, mm, I love Rebels so much. I'm so sure much. that my friends do get a little overwhelmed, though, because it's a new kind of like a new fandom for me. And I get obsessive about fandom stuff pretty quickly if I really enjoy it. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure they're just like, oh, my God. But that's what the podcast is for. So I can talk to you guys about it instead of bothering them. (laughs) Exactly. Happy to be there for you, Colleen. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And I don't want to hold back. Like, I don't want to hold back that I enjoy something. Definitely. I'll say I think Star Wars especially, I've definitely grown into my fandom. I always liked it. I always loved watching it. I started discovering things like Clone Wars after they had come out. And it wasn't really until maybe until the last year and a half to two years that I started to kind of meld every, all of that into a cohesive unit, a a fandom type unit that Mm -hmm. I really embraced. You know, I, I also grew up with Harry Potter. I was one of the kids who, as the books came out every year, I was just about the age. The final Mm -hmm. book came out when I was a senior in high school, the final movie came out like right as I was graduating college. So it was like these big transitional periods for me. I had access to book six the day before it came out. So I actually finished it before the midnight release. Did you get one of those early mailed copies that people were like- I had a friend whose grandmother worked at a distribution warehouse. Ooh, <laughs> that's a fireable offense. Yeah, like real fireable. It w- well, when when the seventh one came out, the manager was finally like, "Guys, we're not doing this anymore. We cannot do this for this one. <laughs> we cannot." <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know you've been doing this for the last couple. We can't do it for this one. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that would have been a big no, no. Yeah, wait, I, I have a Barnes quick, and, and that would have been like, "You're done." I have a quick anecdote about the seventh Harry Potter book. <laughs> My dad took me to the midnight uh, release at Walmart. And we see this nervous guy in front of us and like, we're like, Hey man, like it's coming out soon. Like, why are you so jittery? And he's like, my wife is in labor right now. I want to be there. <laughs> she told me that I have to be here to get the book though. So this, <laughs> Commitment. this, poor, guy, this oh my poor guy God. was like, I want to see the birth of my child, but my wife wants this book so bad. I mean, I, totally be me. But I you, like, admire get your ass her. in the bookstore right now yeah, i admired her i was like yes yes woman you Athlete's know what you want chips. stuck in this hospital bed for the next couple of days <laughs> give me the damn book yeah you can hold the baby then for like yeah. two days i, I rearranged my it. work schedule so that i could read the seventh book mm-hmm. that's fair i think um, i stayed awake for two days straight but, you know <laughs> back into star wars mm. <laughs> i will say i've never been into like what people might think of as the traditional stereotypical like quote-unquote fandom life like i have never cosplayed i have no real intentions of doing that there was there is one point my friends and i maybe like three years ago we're talking about going to new york comic-con like Mm -hmm. doing the comic-con let's let's do it let's go all out And my mother was actually like in the next room or something like that. And she poked her head in, heard what we were talking about and looked at my one friend 
who was definitely the least nerdy among us, also probably the most accomplished, like <laughs> power to her. And my mom was giving her this look that was like, please tell me you're the reasonable one here. And the next words <laughs> out of my friend's mouth were, well, what are we going as? Because if we're doing this, we're doing this. <laughs> like, if we're doing this, we're going all the way. And I would oh, definitely, yeah. I look forward to doing that, like someday doing like a full on cosplay thing, putting that kind of effort into it and just enjoying it and yes. having fun. Someday. When someday. we can do those things again. Yeah. Someday when Comic-Con is back <sighs> yeah. to being a live thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of this movie that really touches on, and I'm kind of curious to your guys' <laughs> opinions on this, this movie definitely lampoons the Star Wars, Star Trek debates. <laughs> I mean, these two fandoms have been pitted against each other since mm-hmm. the dawn of sci-fi, really. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek, the original series, ran from 1966 to 1969, a solid 10 years before Star Wars was a thing. Yep. But the first film didn't come out until 1979, two years after Star Wars, and was definitely the studio was 100% willing to greenlight because of Star Wars success. Yeah, these mm-hmm. always been at each other. J.J. Abrams' grittier Star Wars film came out in 2009, which is the same year as this film. And then he, of course, also went on to direct The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker to middling results. But I'm curious, yeah. are either of you guys Star Trek fans? I don't know. I, um, I, I will go first because I, I have seen one episode of Star Trek and it was the Patrick Stewart version. Um, <laughs> I, I do not even remember the name of the show. I'm so sorry. Oh, um, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So a high school teacher made us watch it because he was just mm-hmm. a big Trekkie fan and uh, he didn't want to teach that day. Fair. So we watched a Star Trek episode. I don't really remember what happened, but Data was like the main plot point. I don't know. Oh, it's oh, probably a measure the... of a man. Yeah. He... Is that the, the lawyer one where they have to decide if he has his own rights? If he's, yeah. Could they be. basically it was remade over in 10 Voyager years ago. and never made a reference to TNG? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen episode. the first two of the Chris Pine movies. Uh, mm-hmm. They were they were good, I guess. I don't I don't know. I I respect Star Trek. Like I'm not one of those Star Wars fans who's going to be like, oh, Star Trek is the worst. I I respect it, but I've never attempted to engage in it. I just uh, I don't know. I I found my my sci-fi love elsewhere. Which is funny, though, because I love Mass Effect so much in video games, and it's heavily, heavily influenced by Star Trek. So I probably should watch at some point. The new one on CBS looks good. Yes, Discovery is, is very good. <laughs> there are three of them now. Freaking oh the my Patrick God. Stewart one. Daniel. <laughs> See, okay, this is where I get, I, real quick, I don't know where to jump in. There's too many. Now you're there's telling me there's three on CBS All Access? Come on. Yes, there are. Um, I've seen most of Trek. Um, I watched Next Generation. Daniel, that's what it's called. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when it, as it aired. Um, I need to catch up on Discovery and watch Lower Decks. And then the new season of Picard will come out soon, I'm sure. But otherwise, I've watched all the TV shows and the movies. First Contact, Daniel should watch that. It's a perfect sci-fi film. It's super brutal. And Patrick Stewart just gets to unleash his like crazy Shakespearean talent. Like it's amazing how good he oh, is. He is movie. a talent. Uh, Deep Space Nine is my favorite TV show. I stand a simple tailor all day. I like both of the properties. I would prefer Star Wars a little bit because of Rebels, <laughs> but yeah. also I really like the Orville. I hope that comes back oh, soon, which is kind of like a lampooning of Star Trek, but is also so much better than it should be. <laughs> Yeah, they started to kind of get, they started to kind of get away from the the comedy aspect and embrace more of the heart. 
-hmm. and it's still funny don't get me wrong yes it's it's still ridiculous but it's so funny Mm -hmm. bring it back give it to us cowards yeah seth mcfarland (laughs) come on yeah i mean i got into star trek post-college so my roommate was a big star trek fan and a couple of years before that, I had binged my way through all of Stargate and Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe. So I was like, all right, I need kind of a new thing, a new show to watch. This is right when binging was starting to really become a thing. So at his behest, I started watching the original series. That one actually took me a while. Don't at me, people. The original series is my least favorite of the series. But it became my project over the next like two to three years. I would put on you know a couple episodes here and there binge my way through i made it through the original series next generation deep space nine which was my favorite voyager enterprise not as bad as everyone says still not good still not great but all right and then all of the films across all the series (laughs) plenty of ups and downs throughout it in terms of quality in terms of writing but it Mm -hmm. was really cool and one thing i truly noticed is that i actually started to understand a lot of references and other things like I'd watch repeats <laughs> yep. of old Simpsons or Family Guy or any mm-hmm. or anything, and I would suddenly understand a joke, and I'd be like, I had no idea that was a Star Trek gag. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much seeps into the consciousness. So many things Star have Trek. gone over my head. <laughs> and now I do. I keep up with all the new stuff. Picard was all right. Discovery season three was really good, and Lower Decks is one of the funniest things to come out in the last few years. I really want to watch Lower Decks. Uh, Tawny Newsome, one of the main voice actresses in that show. I, I find her very funny. Um, I listen to one of her podcasts and I really like her. So I, I kind of want to just get into Lower Decks just for her. Um, but do you, you need to have watched the shows to get this, don't you? Not really. I would say really? there are okay. there are some like deep cut jokes. Like they'll right. have the name of a planet or something like that, or the name of a particular decree or something that if you mm-hmm. haven't watched, you may not understand the reference, but you'll understand the meaning behind the thing. So it's really, okay. it's okay. Cool. But all that is to say, I mean, these two fandoms have been pitted against each other. This is one of those things that I th- I feel like is almost an entirely media made type thing like i've never seen star wars and star trek fans actually go at it with each other no never (laughs) matter of fact there's a decent amount of overlap right yeah yeah for real everybody that i I know likes both (laughs) i don't feel the need to go out there and uh you know fight some star trek fans with shovels to uh need to go to iowa and fight people (laughs) no like only if they dress up as spock and call han solo a little bitch well, yeah, and we're gonna have some words. Wasn't very nice. I mean, well, you don't. You don't nice. call Hanzo a little bitch. That's just no, no, no. How dare you? You don't do that, and Harrison I won't make Ford fun of Spock. Leonard Nimoy, also killer. <laughs> oh man, our next category. I'm kind of excited to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it is the fandom quote unquote litmus test. The are you really a fanboy, fangirl? Are you really a fan <laughs> situation? <laughs> Um, as a fan of the Lady Persuasion, this crap gets to me so much. The number of times some dude has tried to, well, actually me about fandom, not exclusively Star Wars, other fandoms. Mm-hmm. It is my intense pleasure to verbally body slam them with like sweet, sweet facts. Be like, no, yes. bitch. <laughs> yes. Step back. No. It's really realistic, though. Very, very realistic. It belongs mm-hmm. in the movie, obviously. I just wish people would stop challenging each other's love for something like for real, just enjoy that someone else loves the thing you love because then you can bond 
over it and geek out together. Like welcome the people into the fandom. Don't chase them away by being that guy. Don't do it. Yeah. It's so And it is usually yeah. that guy. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. It doesn't <laughs> sorry, need to be a Sorry, my dudes, but it is usually a guy. That's doing yeah. it. <laughs> what do you guys think about yeah. this situation? <laughs> um I mean you're you're definitely right. I'm sorry from all the dudes. Uh <laughs> I really I really hate when people try and gatekeep fandom like that or like oh you haven't read the you know the most obscure 1984 cereal box comic um you obviously don't care it's like okay man like i have a job i have things to do can you calm down like i i didn't read a lot of the extended universe uh uh you know non-canon stories sorry that doesn't make me not a fan like i mean maybe i'm not as deep of a fan but you know i mean it doesn't mean i i didn't enjoy the stuff I played like tons of the video games. I collected the Legos. Um, I just, I, I played the stories in my head and like, what, what are all these alternate things? Like there's different levels of fandom and it just, mm-hmm. it really drives me nuts when people try and make a competition out of it instead of seeing like, Oh, you love this thing about the fandom. Well, I love this thing. I don't know about that one. Let's like trade stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would much rather see that cooperative side to it. And it, it's nice that the internet has helped build some of those spaces while at the same time, it also inundates everyone with the worst parts of fandom. So, you know, it's a bit of a double age blade. Uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like anytime I hear about people gatekeeping fandoms. I do find it kind of ridiculous. That being said, I am, I'm a six foot three straight white guy. People tend not to challenge my, my fandom. Right. (laughs) Yeah. just as a general thing like not even once <laughs> just hap- it happens to be that way shocker mm-hmm. i mean i tried to i never got competitive over fandom well it's actually just a teeny lie the one thing i used to get <laughs> really competitive about was harry potter trivia but that's just because yes. like my brain is wired to remember random facts like i'll i'll read the books a couple of times and then i'll be able to pull up the most obscure details for no reason i was not paying attention to this i've just that's how my brain absorbs things. So that was the one thing I would get competitive about. Would be like, nah, I can Harry Potter trivia you under the table. Well, if you're if you're challenged, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm challenged. I mean, have to but then it's the necessary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but when it comes to Star Wars, I think one of the things that's good about the Star Wars fandom, in reality, not on Twitter, not... <laughs> no, don't go online. Yep. Truly, there's a space. There is a space for everyone. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about this more uh, when we get to one of our other bonus pods about expanding the franchise, about Disney's efforts around that, but they still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Speaking of, Colleen, you want to take us into uh, our next little piece? <laughs> yes, I do. The woman is going to speak again. <laughs> Women in fandoms represented in this movie by Kristen Bell. She's awesome. She's strong. She's just as big of a fan as the boys are, but they still have that general men only attitude about her, even though she's slaying. I wish they'd shown her actually getting the Star Wars questions right with Danny uh-huh. McBride instead of just the sex questions, because come on, can we show her getting like some Princess Leia stuff right that the guys don't get? Can we do that? Um, like we've been talking about, there is a real problem with the toxic fandom with Star Wars mostly online if you see somebody Mm -hmm. in person they're probably not going to call you out on something unless they're a huge dick but online it's awful and it's not exclusive to straight men but sorry it mostly is them 
yeah. the majority. It's like a 97, maybe 98% there. <laughs> Recently, this was really disgusting. This is an avid cosplayer and a Star Wars super fan. Her name is Christina Ariel. She was attacked online. She had been named the host of the High Republic show, which is the new series of books and other media that's going to be coming out for Star Wars this year. She was called out for being a quote unquote racist. And then she was subject to horrific racism and sexism on Twitter. It was awful. I will not repeat anything that was said to her or about her because it was that bad. And it's, it's unacceptable. Like seriously, y'all, it's fake and in space. Like, yeah. yes, it means a lot to us, but you shouldn't be losing your mind over a woman of color expressing mm-hmm. an opinion about something that you love. It, uh, it's just terrible. And it's not the first and it's not the last time that it's going to happen to someone yeah. who doesn't fit the quote unquote fan mold, especially mm-hmm. for something like Star Wars. Yeah. So it's just, it's just icky. I wish they'd gone over it a little bit more in this movie, but it wasn't that kind of time frame for it. No, but actually yeah. that whole that whole plot line really stood out to me this time as I watched it. Um, that was the one that actually just jumped off at me. And I was like, oh, my God, all these things that I don't actually know how much of it was intentional in terms of actually trying to make that that storyline kind of come into play. But kind of putting a 2020, 2021 read on the movie, it does actually illustrate that very well, that she can be a total fan. She mm-hmm. can be the strongest one of the group. The one that bails and them the out. Coolest. And the yeah. coolest. And yeah, the coolest. And the one who's like stands up and says, No, I came all the way out here for you guys. You're breaking into to George Lucas's house. I'm coming. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> like, going to screw home. that. <laughs> Just a little bit more context on the uh Christina Ariel piece. She was called out for people called her a racist for commenting on the presence of systemic racism in mm-hmm. the United States particularly under the former administration and um, some other things. And that was when people, and that was what people decided to dig up and say that she is racist against white people and has no business hosting a a Disney fan show, Yeah, which is absolutely ridiculous. Disney, to their credit, came to her defense and stood by her. Would have been nice if they had done that for Kelly Marie Tran. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll talk but, about that when we still, get to The Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is still nice to see that they stood up for her, um, yeah, especially after, I don't know if you guys remember in the wake of the first trailer for The Force Awakens, but the amount of disgusting racism that was uh, portrayed because of, of Finn being yeah. a black stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just, it was yeah. so gross. Everything that was said about John Boyega and all this stuff and, it's just it, it's nice to see that the Internet is really a, a good portion of it is standing up to that now and yeah. and standing up for people like, you know, John Boyega, Christina Ariel and Kelly Marie Tran. Um, it's it's so lovely to see the Kelly Marie Tran fans online who <laughs> will, like, absolutely will not take that. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> yes. So thank you to all the people that stand up to, you know, racism and sexism and homophobia, especially because yeah. it my experience of seeing people's reactions to Finn Poe shippers was not fun. Mm. Uh, A lot of people were very against that and um, even offended at the small token lesbian kiss that we got at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, You know, not great being a a queer fan sometimes, but um, it is getting better and, you know, we're slowly getting, getting more and more representation. I will say 
shout out to the high republics this is a small little spoiler but it is nice seeing just a a gay couple a powerful gay couple at that and it's not yeah and it's really like they don't play it up they don't make it this big like oh look we put in a gay couple it's just here they are they just exist Mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's nice I, I would like more of that please yes give yeah. us singer you cowards yes <laughs> singer to us now i i mean i'm sorry you, you can't you can't have two people as electric as john boyega and oh my oscar gosh why, isaac. oscar isaac, oscar oscar isaac. how could i oh. blank on my how could i blank on my favorite's name um, they're two about John like, Boyega. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about John Boyega. Honestly, um, their their chemistry in Force Awakens is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, come on, that hug, the expression they give each other when they're reunited, and then you recreate the Han Leia Hoth scene in Home One. Like, come on, come on, <laughs> you can't throw us that bone like that right and make there. everyone right there. like, come on, it's right there. Um, so. <laughs> So, you know, it's getting better. It, it's slowly getting better to be a fan that's not just a straight white dude. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it could go faster. It could go a lot faster. <laughs> it could go it faster. Could. There's, I mean, there, there are countless examples of mm-hmm. the double standard in this. I mean, two very prominent female geeks out there, Olivia Munn and Aisha Tyler, mm-hmm. who I want to be in everything. I love them. Yes. <laughs> They're incredible. Mm-hmm. But every time they end up cast in or, you know, they're at a panel, they're hosting a panel at like Comic-Con or something. And there's this like huge backlash that these women of color are doing this mm-hmm. stuff and they have to, they feel the need to post these pretty damn epic takedowns with their bona fides. Yes. And they're very satisfying to see, but the idea that they're necessary is I think just, yeah. I mean, yeah, the fact true. that Whereas, anyone would, question their credentials like come on they've been Wild. in the fandom they've been like in the nerd fandom mm-hmm. like in the right. trenches whereas, for so long yeah. whereas like someone TSR like uh, yeah, yeah TSR car whereas someone like you know Joe Mangeliano is mm. famous for his Dungeons and Dragons game yes. mm-hmm. so he can yeah. be a nerd and mm-hmm. potentially make money off it do fundraisers off of it yep. but then people question does Aisha Tyler actually play video games like Come on, she's been doing this forever. Come on. She's been playing them longer than you, probably. So sit down, please. (laughs) And also, I just have to say, Aisha, thank you so much for being the voice of Lana Kane in Archer. (laughs) You are fantastic. I love her. I love her. I want her cast in everything. The fact that she hosted the boys after show was so good. Amazing. Put her in more things. But all of this kind of gets back to the speech in the hospital. This concept of what this movie what these stories ultimately mean to us and this scene i think is truly the heart of the movie i mean there are some great gags in it you know naming your left and right hand leia yeah. <laughs> of course. yes and all this yeah. stuff but <laughs> what the what these stories ultimately do and they bring us together and they do in fact bring together people from all across the spectrum the movie ends with the older brother showing up, you know, he was a it's total dick at the start at the start of the movie, and they're like, "What are you? What are you doing here? This is the premiere of Star Wars." And he's like, "Dude, it's the wars, it. bro. It's the wars. Of course, he's coming." <laughs> that truly, all of these different people can come together with and that enjoy it and enjoy it, unless, as they say, right, the very last line in the movie, "What if it sucks?" 
Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's part of the fun of it too, is getting to make fun of it with friends. Yes. Yes. I um I'm just very thankful uh that throughout the years I have been able to feel some really powerful emotions with with friends and family through stories that we love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'll never forget my mom and I kept stealing the seventh Harry Potter book from each other. And like, we'd see each other's like horrified looks or like elated looks and be like, Oh wait, no, don't tell me. Like, I want to find out. Or like my brother and I going to see rogue one together and just the shock on our faces as we left the theater and just staying up all night talking or Mm -hmm. when my best friend and roommate and I, I finally watched rebels in early quarantine and he was there to hold me during some very emotional moments that we won't spoil. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, yeah. This is yeah. a kid's show. Yeah. Sure it is. Um, so it's amazing. Laugh. It's it's th- these stories that, you know, people are like, oh, it's just you know, like nerd culture. But like these stories stick with us. And they they things like Star Wars have stuck around this long for a reason because it brings people together and you know, you, you feel real things for these characters. And uh, yeah, so that's why I love the, the through line of, of their friendship, because it is it is the heart of the movie. It's the most powerful thing. And I related to it so much because I'm like, yeah, that if, if one of my friends had terminal cancer and we were like, oh, wait, we can get you the screener. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do that. Yes, this is make a wish that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I I was completely sold on the emotion of it. So mm-hmm. it resonated with me. I agree. The whenever somebody says it's just something, it's like, "Oh, well, you just haven't experienced it the way I have." That's not bad yeah. that you don't connect with it like I do, but then don't also belittle me because I enjoy something. It's not just a movie for some people. For some mm-hmm. people, it is life. Like it's their life. They love this. It gives them hope. Like that's the entire freaking purpose of Star Wars is hope. Yeah. And it's not just love. a story, it's not just a sport, it's not right. just a book, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're talking about, things matter to people, and yep. I think it's wonderful to find those common ground when you find something that matters to you also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's connectivity. It helps people relate to each yeah. other. I don't see why that would be a bad thing. Exactly. Very, very true. All right, and I think that that is a good note to end it on. So, as always, we end this episode with our recommendations, and today we're going to change things up a little bit. Given that the nature of this episode has been fandom and fanboys, we're going to give you guys some of our recommendations for some fandom content. So, I am going to start us off by recommending that you all go to YouTube and search Triumph the Insult Comic Dogs Attack of the Clones. This is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. I remember watching this just on repeat. He's at like the premiere for Attack of the Clones and all the cosplayers, everybody's outside. They're doing random stuff, reenacting parts of the movie. He is absolutely skewering them, but everyone's in on the joke and everyone's having a good time with it. And there's a very, very adorable mo- moment with like a little girl dressed as a, a princess. <laughs> and even he doesn't have a joke. He's like, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just cute. That's I'm just also going to recommend that you check out the Star Wars episode of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Mm. This is a docuseries about several famous major toy lines. And this episode tracks the major rise of Star Wars toys and how George Lucas made the best merchandising deal in the history of the universe. Um, and 
talking in about stuff particularly made by fans, I'm going to recommend the Quim History Podcast. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast about women in history behaving badly, and they have a stellar multi-episode series on Carrie Fisher. So good. We've talked a few <laughs> times about how much we love Carrie Fisher and her personality, both in the movies, outside the movies, her extremely prolific writing career that she had. So please, please check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Definitely check out Robot Chicken, all of their Star Wars content. <laughs> this show was produced by Seth Green and Matthew Seinrich, and it's mostly just Palpatine dunking on Vader, which I'm here for. <laughs> it's seriously the funniest parody content to me, at least, that I've ever seen through Star Wars. I was like sobbing with laughter over a couple of these, like, not even very long sketches, just like very, very short bits and it's just so good and seth green loves star wars oh, bring man. it on bring it on more robot chicken um also want to do one more shout out for kin folklore podcast we have shouted them out before but again there's some really cool news on the horizon for atla fans and i think the two hosts of kin folklore are going to be real excited about it and might be giving us more content soon on it Daniel, I, I know you're a, excited about that too. I'm about <laughs> to lose my mind when I read that headline. I'm so excited. Thank you everyone who watched Atla and Cora on Netflix because I'm pretty sure that those numbers are what, yeah, Anders is waving. If you can't see us, <laughs> I, Anders is waving. <laughs> I own the Blu-ray of both shows and mm -hmm. I watch it all on Netflix now because I'm like, no, 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 get that streaming. <laughs> like, yep. you need these numbers. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Well, I would like to uh, recommend the Star Wars Explained YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Um, mm -hmm. They are a fantastic channel. There's plenty of lore and question and answer videos. Um, plus the hosts, Alex and Molly, are just very nice people. Um, I enjoy their content a lot. I also am just going to say, play Star Wars video games. They're just a lot of fun. Like I don't care what era you're <laughs> in. Um, not only did we get the Avatar news today that made me happy, um, but for all my PlayStation playing friends, I'm very excited that they now get to play Republic Commando, the game that I recommended, like, I think two episodes ago. Yay. And so I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's getting ported to the new systems. I'm like, yes, everyone just plays Star Wars video games. I yes. love them. Um, and then I, I do have to say a special thank you to the MCU for helping very much bring nerddom into the uh, mainstream. Mm -hmm. I was 14 when I saw Iron Man. And I have never looked back on the MCU and also have to uh, give a shout out to yet another MCU podcast. They mm -hmm. are getting close to finishing their run. And um, mm -hmm. so thank you to our forgotten entertainment friends. Yes. Thanks, you guys. Your yeah. pods are hysterical. <laughs> they yes. are. I do, uh, feel I got some thoughts for you, though. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> Is it about Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually talking. I'm, not, I'm thinking about. Well, yes, actually, Ragnarok. But I'm uh, more thinking about Endgame. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> Ooh, haven't listened to that one yet. I will. I will be excited to tell I was gonna you. Say, yeah, that one's in my queue still. <laughs> yep. And lastly, I think we would be absolutely remiss if we did not plug the podcast that ultimately actually brought the three of us together, and that mm. would be Binge Mode from the ringer yeah. it's really weird that we're recording this episode just a few days after they aired their potential final episode with the original hosting team jason and mal we love you mm -hmm. uh check out binge mode on spotify if you are a fan of anything but particularly star wars harry potter the mcu game of thrones uh if you read the saga comics and a bunch mm -hmm. of other random things that they've done over the last few years 
gonna have to remember to shout out saga some more too as we go along <laughs> yeah that's gonna be my next purchase <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we are currently diving into Star Wars Rebels. You can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And tune in again with us next time when we will be getting into the details of galactic (laughs) trade and taxation laws. Yes. Yes. Start the prequels with episode one, The Phantom Menace. I can't wait. <laughs> I love taxes. <laughs> tax season, okay. y'all. <laughs> I got my tax refund today, so you know what? I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>